Last week, Pastor Joe introduced our new sermon series, Psalm Song. We've done it before, but this is new for this year. And so just as a reminder, we're going to be doing a secular song right now that most of you will know, so feel free to sing along in your seats. And Pastor Joe is going to relate this song to a psalm in his message. So we can get started.
Amen. Amen. You, you know, uh, we love that movie Tarzan um, at our house when our children were little, and um, we loved it so much we went out and bought the soundtrack to it, and every time we would drive from Oklahoma to uh, Dayton, Ohio to, to visit family, that was on there, and everybody was singing, and Phil Collins is in the background just just wailing, uh, trying to keep up with us um, as we sang in the van. What a wonderful thing. You say, well, then why are we singing that in church? Um, as MJ said, this is our Psalm song series. And psalms, uh, and we're going to share a Psalm 131 with you today, but psalms are songs that were written long, long, long ago and incorporated into our Bible. It's almost like the hymn book or the song book of the church back then, even though um, Christ wasn't there. It was still the worship book, and uh, people would sing this, and David would write a song, and he would say, sing it to this tune, or he would write a song and say, play it to this tune, uh, or it would say, he gave it to the worship leader, and it was her responsibility to do it. Well, here's the deal, and I heard it again this week, okay? Not specifically to this um, um, song, or, um, excuse me, uh, sermon series, but I heard, I heard somebody say this. I was somewhere with them, and all of a sudden, the, the music came on, and they said, oh, I can remember where I was when I heard that song. See, and there are songs like that in your life that you remember where it was. We talked about this last week, but you can remember where you were the first time you ever heard that song. And our goal in this series is to take and connect a psalm to a song that you know very, very well, and we know that one in our house very, very well, but that you know very, very well, and as a result of that, the next time you're driving down the road and you hear the Tarzan song come on, you're going to stop and say, oh, that's when that idiot preacher was trying to connect that to Psalm 131. Yeah, I remember he said, I can't tell you how many people have come in here and said that they've been able to make that connection later on down the road to a song that they heard in here coupled with a psalm. Now, I want to, uh, I want to plug it into Psalm 131, and so if you've got your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to go there. It's always going to show up up there, but uh, let me just say this. You know, this song is, uh, um, you, uh, you'll be in my my heart. And as I was looking at the Psalms that I wanted to preach from, I wanted to talk specifically on Mother's Day, and, and I wanted to talk about David. I wanted a Psalm from David. And Psalm 131 is a Psalm from David. It's a song about going up to church, okay? And I'm going to keep using the word church, but they were going up to the Jewish temple, okay? But it, it, they were going up to church, and this whole song is about the fact that um, you will forever, we all had a mother. That's how we got here. Okay? And you will forever, regardless of the circumstances, always be in her heart. You will. You'll be in there. You know, we used to think, my wife and I, we got married young and we said, we're going to have our children, then they're out of the house. And then we're going to have our lives back. It's going to be great. We're going to do things. We're going to go places. We're going to, and we won't have to worry about our children because they'll be all grown up. Well, those of you that are my age or older, you know that that does not happen. Okay, they get all grown up, they move out, and then you start worrying. And then comes the part where you're like, ah, I don't think that was a good choice. Ah, I probably should go sit down and have a talk with them. And it's like, you better not because they're grown adults now. So we have established in our house that when those times come, if they want our advice, we'll give it to them. 
But until then, we need to let them do their thing. And, and we're going to talk about it here a little bit, but sometimes we can celebrate their victories, but we can see from a mile out that they're going to bump their head against that wall. It's like, if you keep going that way, you're going to bump your, but you can't say that as an adult. You could as a child when they were children, but you can't say it as adults. They'll be, they'll be all bowed up like, I'm an adult now. It's time for you to start treating me like an adult. I mean, how many times have you said that to your mama? Huh? How many times have, have your children said that to you when they're like, hey, hey, I'm grown up now. So you're about to make a really immature decision and it's going to hurt. And I'm just trying to tell you, be careful, think this through. So you learn to do things like that. But it's this idea that we are always in God's heart. We're never not there. Okay, a double, entendre, double negative there, but the fact of the matter is we are never not in God's heart. He, we're not the center of the whole kingdom of God. Humanity is. But Joe Wood personally is not. I can't go living my life to say, well, God, now you need to do this, and now you need to do that, and now you need to do that. There's seven billion people on the planet, and which one gets to say? The point of the matter is that we are born again into the kingdom of God, because Jesus loves us enough to die for us, and now it's our part to go uh, and chase after him. But in all things, when we talk about this, and I just wanted to use those words, I love that the anthropomorphisms of God include a feminine side. Now listen, don't, don't, don't think I've gone off my rocker. Don't, don't do that. Let me explain it first. Um, anthropomorphism is just a really spiritual word that you probably should know if you're a Christian. Um, but if you didn't go to Bible college, it simply means the parts of the scripture where it says, I saw the hand of God, or I saw the finger of God, or I saw the heart of God. It's where we attribute human physical aspects, or uh, actually God attributes them to himself. And, and uh, David, in Psalm 131, um, he says this, if you want to open up your Bible in, uh, to Psalm 131, this is what he said. It's a very, very short psalm, um, as a matter of fact, um, and that's not why I'm using it, but it, it is a short psalm. That's 120. Here we go. It says, my heart is not proud, O Lord, and my eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. And look at how David describes himself in a relationship to God. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Lord, put your hope uh, excuse me, oh Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. When I see that picture, you know, and I, and I think of what um, um, David is trying to say, that's a song that he would sing when he was going up to church. And I don't know the tune, I don't know how they sang it, I don't know what the deal was, but I can tell you he wrote this because he was moved by God, his relationship to God. And, and, and we're talking about a weaned child. We're talking about a child just recently weaned, goes up to its mother and longs to be there. And so in that aspect, we see that God God is saying that when you look at the picture of God, you see some mothering side of God as well as fathering side of God. And so I want to take you to the book of Genesis just so that you don't think I'm a heretic, okay? Because that's not what I'm trying to do. He captures that, and this is where it comes from. If we want to see the picture of God, we need to look at a husband and a wife together. There you see the picture of God. And read it with me in, in Genesis, um, one, uh, Genesis 1, excuse me, in verse 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, 
the creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made all the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, all the creatures that move on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that this was good. And then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so when we're looking at the idea of who God is in our lives, it is incredibly important that we recognize the aspects that God is the one who said, we're going to create a man and we're going to create a woman. And he fully intended for them to be married together. Okay. Adam and Eve were husband and wife, but he said together, he's going to create man and woman because that is going to be the actual reflection of who the person of God is. If you want to see who God is, you see this great big warrior God that would wipe out a whole town because of their rebellion and sexual immorality. On the other hand, you see a God over here that loves his humanity, has created humanity so much that he will send his son to die for them. On the one hand, he says, like a hen gathers um, her chicks under his wing, and on the other hand, he says, I am a consuming fire. And you have these two aspects of God that come together to give us an understanding of who he is and that we are always in his heart. I contend that once you see that about God, you begin to understand God just a little bit more. God created man, and he is strong. Listen, no matter how you do it, you can go to the, the CrossFit, and you can go to the gym, and you can go to the beach body bingo, whatever gym that is. You can go to whichever one you want to, and, and you can start working weights, and you can get to the place where you throw weights around together, husband and wife. But the fact of the matter is, a man's body, other than the, the obvious, is created different to handle different weight. It really is. Don't take my word for it. And so we recognize that man is, as an as a individual is strong. But more than that, he was designed to fix it, build it, design it. He was oriented as conquerors, <clears throat> excuse me, protectors, providers. If men are naturally afraid of anything besides spiders, and if you keep putting spiders on your Facebook, I will delete you, okay? <laughs> I do not want to open up Facebook and have spiders say, just watch this to the end. Ha! I, okay, don't do that to me. Stop it. If men are naturally afraid of anything, it's talking about their feelings. Yeah. Get into a small group around here. Really? Are we going to talk about feelings? Are we gonna, do we have to talk about feelings in here? You know? And, and pretty soon they will. But men are not just going to get together and say, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, I don't know. My heart was really hurt when I saw that little squirrel run across the road and get hit by a car. <laughs> okay. Men don't do that. Okay? And women are like, <laughs> they, think they just blew off and went with the wind. And I was just thinking about it. And they'll talk about their emotions all day long. They really will, okay? And so we recognize that men, men don't naturally talk about their emotions. They're warriors. Somebody once said about physical relationships between men and women that men will hit, chase, and grab. 
That's what they do. They hit, chase, and grab. It starts on the playground at school, and it just carries on through. That's just the type of individuals that they are. Women also are strong. Believe it or not, they are strong in a different manner. Women are natural nurturers, okay? But I will tell you, women are strong to the point that women will endure and endure and endure. And once they have gone too far, once you've gone too far, they're done. To the point that you can pick up a secular marriage counseling book and it basically will just straight up tell you. If a man says it's over, he's an idiot, okay? It's not. But if a woman says it's over, it's over. And that statistically, when you're dealing with, with complications in marriage and people in your, your office, that that's the truth. And that's, this is why, because women are strong. And they will endure and endure and endure until they get to a certain point, and it may be different for all of them. But once they get to that point, you've done too much, or it, it, they, you've crossed the line, and, and they're kind of done. Women are relational and more in touch with their emotions. Women want to get together and go hang out and do things. Women are not natural to a fight. They're not, it's not, I'm not saying women won't fight you, okay? <laughs> I'm saying they are not natural to a fight. That's not their first response. Their first response is, let's talk about your feelings, okay? And when you're saying like, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I want to talk about how come you drove through the yard. Okay, no, no, no. They want to talk about your feelings, okay? But they will rise up when it comes to their children. And they will be a bear, um, and and, and I, I, they will come after you. They will protect their children. They will go all David and Goliath on you. But when you look at a man and a woman together and you see the strength of God and you see the compassion of God, when you see the warrior who is God and you see the nurture, nurturer who is God, then you see a better picture of who God is. And you don't have to take my word for it. Just read the Psalms. That's God. And it includes the, the image of God being a ferocious mom. But if we're going to rise up about something where our children are concerned, why don't we, and I'm just going to challenge all of you, not just moms, but why don't we rise up as much about their spiritual lives? Man, we put them in soccer, ballet, band, sports, college, dating, cars, things that we think our children have to have, but often, all humanity, we give them a half-rate understanding of who God is and who he wants to be in their lives. We teach them to go to church rather than to walk with Jesus. We teach them to go to church rather than to be hungry. We teach them, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not here to throw a rock. I'm just saying that what about if we start rising up for our children's spirituality? What if we start saying that's the way it's going to be? If we're going to fight for our children, and a mama will fight for her children. So as I say a mama will fight for her children, I want you to think, and God will fight for me. I want you to grab a hold of that. God's not just like, well, you're making a bad decision. He is going to fight for you. He'll spank your bottom. He'll organize circumstances. He'll put you in a different place so that you have an opportunity to be safe, okay? But he's going to fight for you. He's not going to just watch the enemy take his kids, and he's going to say, oh, well, there goes another one. I hope no more than you would. I hope you would be willing to rise up and say, I will go snatch that girl by the back of her hair, drag her back to the house, and I will sit her down, and we will have a talk. We will do this. 
See? I hope we have a picture of God who's not willing to just get off the porch and run out to us, but who's willing to pull a sword and say, I will fight for my children against the enemy. If we're going to fight for our children, let's start with their eternity. And this is why, because it lasts forever. Why are we fighting over band and who gets to start and who gets to play? You know, I've often thought it was just a little bit odd until I began to to be a pastor. Long before I was a pastor, it's like, man, 13 guys can go to the mall. And 13 guys can come home and say, man, we had a great time. But if three girls go to the mall, Somebody didn't feel like they fit in. Somebody didn't include it in the decision about the hundredth white blouse about whether was it pretty or not. My wife would come home and it's like, can't you guys just like go to Casano's and get a pizza and sit down? And she's like, I don't think so. I don't think it works that way. It's like it does with guys. Well, we're not guys. And I'm thankful for that. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, it's like, wow, okay? If we're going to fight for something, how about we start with eternity because it lasts forever? It's not been lost on me as we try to pour into young people for 28 years as, as I've been a pastor. It's never been lost on me that you give a coach permission to rip your child up as they come off the court, off the floor, or off the field. You, you will sit there and watch that coach blister your child. And when the coach is done, you'll say, yeah, because they should have made that shot, right? But if the youth guy says to your kids, hey, I really don't think that's what you should be doing if you, uh, you claim to be somebody who walks with Jesus, man, then he starts getting emails and you're like, who do you think you are telling my child they're spiritual or not? Do you not think your, your child's spiritual well-being is more important than their ability to play basketball or football or baseball or tennis or whatever else it is that's out there? I've never seen a youth guy just rip somebody up because he was mad at them. I have challenged people before in situations that were like, yeah, we can't have this anymore, okay? Let's just kind of dress a little differently for youth functions. And, and, and not because I'm a prude, just because we need to fo- uh, focus on Jesus. And man, I'm telling you, I got blistered by parents. And it's like, all I'm trying to do is keep people from object- object- objectifying your child. That's all I'm trying to do. And it's like, wow, your child, I care about their eternity, not, you know, what's going on right now. But what about that? Coach wants to win a game. The church only wants them to help them achieve their eternity. Which one you, you think is going to matter when the trumpet blows or when they die? That they got a trophy or that they walk with Jesus? And I'm not talking about getting baptized. I'm talking about walking with Jesus. Because Matthew 7 says, the day's going to come when I'm going to say, Lord, Lord. Or they're going to say, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. I can't, I can't unwrite that and I didn't write it. There's a lot of people doing spiritual things and religious things, but are they walking with Jesus is what it says in Matthew 7. And so we want to be careful. Here's the deal. We, you, are spiritually and primarily responsible for your children. I'm responsible for my children. I'm responsible to teach my children to read. I'm responsible to teach my children to write. I'm responsible to teach my children to do math. The school enhances my work. The church enhances my responsibility. 
It's not the church's responsibility. And so if we as individuals will invest in our children, we might be absolutely surprised at what happens. We need to teach them, model it for them, and we need to just answer questions. One of my grandchildren came over and um, she was there all day with me. And in the course of the day, she would say, Grandpa, can we go for a walk? Grandpa, can we go for a walk? And I kept saying, yeah, we'll go for a walk. Well, you know, it wasn't too long after my hip surgery and I wasn't just looking to go out there and do a mile. And, but she kept hounding me and hounding me. And then finally she said the words, okay, you can't back up from this. You promised. <laughs> it's a throwdown. I mean, she's only what, seven or eight, but it's a throwdown. She won. And we went for a walk. You know what she wanted to do? Hey, Grandpa, what's sin? Grandpa, how does it affect me? Grandpa, what did Jesus do? I got to spend the next half hour walking slowly with her, just answering every single question I could intentionally. You don't need a Bible college degree to do that. You just need a relationship with Jesus and with the Word of God. That's all you need. And you can sit and have a conversation and talk to her on her level. I love that. We need to understand that we're here to protect our children and help them to avoid sin as much as possible. But when they sin, that we have a redeemer. We have somebody who has paid the price for our sin, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that if we're faithful and just to confess our sins, he's faithful and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And they need to understand that that is not permission to sin. It's just that when we do, it's permission to get back up. We've got to fight our impulse to sin. I often wondered why God chose Abraham. Of all the men in the world, why did God choose Abraham? Here it is. Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. God knew that Abraham would be faithful. So he started with Abraham. I hope God can say that about you and I. Second thing real quick is teach them to respect, listen to, and obey those that lead them. Those that lead them in school, those that lead them driving the school bus. I'm not saying all the hypothetical extreme situations. Well, what if somebody, okay, no, no, no. I'm just saying all things, generally speaking, healthy. Our children should respect those that are in authority over them. Teachers, grandparents, aunts, uncles, civil officials. My parents always, always, always assumed that the teacher was right until they talked to the teacher. So if I came home and something happened at school, first I got whooped. Whether I did it or not did not matter. First I got whooped, and then they went and talked to the teacher. <laughs> Generally speaking, I needed the whooping. Generally speaking, okay? Not very often, but generally speaking, that was the right way to do it. And I didn't always get, get the whoop. But my, my parents were that way. They demanded respect, and they thought that we should give respect to those that were older than us. We were taught manners, whether we liked it. And this was not a Christian home. This was just live or die, okay? You'll say yes ma'am and no ma'am, or we'll kill you, my dad would say. Tell God you died and start over. That's how he would explain it. And he made sure I understood that I should believe that, okay? But we were taught manners. We were taught to think through for ourselves as well. But that didn't mean uh, that we did not have to be polite. We were told to be polite. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Please, thank you. May I? All of that stuff starts at home. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise 
so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's one of the promises God gave you. Honor your father and mother. And we live in a world that does not push that very much. And so I want to encourage you in that. The last thing that I want to share with you, and then we're out of here, is that we have to, res we have to respect our children enough to let them endure the consequences of their choices. That's being lost all over the world, especially in this country. You can do whatever you want, but you are not free from the consequences of what you do. And the idea that you should be is absolutely insane. But sometimes, as parents, as moms, and this is the hardest thing in the world, it's important to let your children bump their head and suffer a bump on their head and a headache. And we don't like that. We're gonna to try to protect them, and rightfully so, from everything. But sometimes they have to endure what they've done. Romans says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given it to us. Now listen, I know that they were suffering for being Christians, but it still was a choice. When they were told, that when the disciples were told to shut up and stop talking about God, they said, no. Nope. <laughs> and then they got put in jail. And they never said, this is an atrocity. We should be set free from jail. They said, Paul said, pray that we found more people to, to witness to while we're in here. See, somewhere in here, even as adults, we've got to recapture the idea that it is okay for us to struggle. It's okay for us to suffer consequences. Because we will learn, and, and it'll build character, and we'll continue to be a part. Uh, struggling and, and, and suffering is, is literally part of the Christian experience, and at the same time, it's part of the healing process. It hurts. It hurts when the PT says, you've got to walk this much, and it's like, no, you don't understand, it hurts. And they say, yes, but the more you do it, the less it will hurt. And so we do the things that they ask of us because they know what they're talking about. An ostrich, I've said before, I have this big ostrich egg at home. It's about that big. And it's about that thick. And the idea that an ostrich inside that egg can peck its way out blows my mind. Because it's so hard. But it struggles and suffers and struggles and suffers so much that by the time that egg cracks open, it can stand up. It can run just a little tiny bit. And that happens fast. Sometimes suffering is, is what we need to, to help us grow and to change. Our moms will ever be in our heart. But listen to me. Sometimes it's okay to let children suffer, if you will, the consequence of good decisions. Because sometimes when they make choices, good things happen. And those things need to be celebrated. And too many times in my own upbringing, it was celebrated like this. That's good, but... You could have done better. How about we just stop at, that's good. And, and the but, I'm not just trying to be crass, maybe a little humorous, but it's something you continue to sit on, okay? Because sometimes a child has literally done their level best, and they just need you to celebrate that. Sometimes good things happen when you're willing to do something good, even if it costs you. Did you enjoy the donuts today? We had donuts for Mother's Day. Get you some. Yeah, there's some pretty awesome donuts. Ooh! 
We had a $500 order of donuts this morning. That's what we invested for you. Yeah. Some of you maybe are like, well, that's stupid. I don't eat donuts and that's a waste of church money. No, no, no. Let me just tell you how my day went this morning. Every Sunday I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I get a large black coffee for my wife because I love her. She doesn't ride with me. She comes a little later. I get a large coffee with three creamers and two pink sweeteners. I get an old-fashioned um, classic donut and I get a Bavarian cream donut. Not to be confused with vanilla cream. That's nasty. Okay? They know me well at Dunkin' Donuts at the drive-thru. As I was pulling up, I looked in the rearview mirror and there's an SUV and there was a woman in it. And I immediately made the assumption that because she was a woman driving an SUV, she had to have been a mom. And I decided it was time for me to, you know, do something chivalrous and pay for her, her thing, her, her whatever it was. And I said, okay, I'm going to pull up there and do that. And so she, I pulled up there, had my card out, I'm giving it to the girl. And I said, listen, I want to pay for the, the lady behind me. I want to pay for her thing. And she said, well, the guy in front of you just paid for yours. And I said, for real? She said, yeah. I said, well, I was going to pay for the lady behind me. She said, you were going to or you're not going to? You are going to? And I said, whoa, girl, I still am. And she said, great, that'd be $28. <laughs> How come the guy in a truck got away with $682 and I got $28? I wasn't really complaining. She said, you still want to do it? Well, I'm, I got my card out. I'm the pastor. What did I say? No, that's too much. That woman's not worth it. No, honestly, I was still glad to do it. And I said, yes, I want to do it. And, and she said, man, I wish I was behind you in line. I said, thanks. On the way here, I said, Lord, that's going to be a great sermon illustration because how come the guy in front of me got 682 and I got $28, Lord? And I got to explain this to my wife. And then the person that picks up our donuts came in and said, I went to pick up $500 worth of donuts. And the people said, no, this is a donation to you. Yeah. That is a far cry from $28. $500. You know why? Because the person that said that and made that decision at that particular establishment understands sowing and reaping. We sow generously into our children's lives. And we teach our children, not just money, time, love, compassion, whatever it might take to help. We sow generously into our children's lives and we teach them to sow generously into the lives of people around them. And it comes back on us. It changes a community. See, we want to start by changing the world by going to Washington or going to wherever it might be. And actually all it takes is going to your neighbor. Because it starts right here first. It starts at home. It starts with the way we raise our children. It starts with mom and dad. And so I want to encourage you in that. Moms, we celebrate you today. Yeah. We celebrate moms today. You will forever be in your mother's heart, whether she's still on this earth or whether she's not still on this earth. You will always be in her heart. What are we going to translate down to our children? I want to encourage you in that today. I don't know what you might be facing today. I don't know what you might be going through, but these people are up here to pray for us. I, I, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not sure what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Um, I, I just know that God wants to do things in your lives. I believe Mother's Day is a celebration, but it's a celebration of what God is doing. So it's still about God. And I believe that God wants to touch your life today. 
and you may be facing a big, great, big, monstrous mountain. You may be facing a giant. You may be facing a surgery. You may be facing a, an illness. You may, it doesn't matter what it is. I believe that God wants to touch your life. So as you come to your feet, these people are up here to pray. That, you come to your feet, that means come to your feet. You've been here a long time, you know what that means. Um, we're going to pray and I'm going to get off the stage and we're going to sing our closing song. And these people are here to pray for you. Because things aren't always easy with your mom. Things aren't always easy as a mom. Sometimes you just need somebody to care and pray for you. Sometimes you feel unnoticed and, and unvalued or undervalued. And I just want you to know that God loves you, God sees you. And we want to celebrate and pray for you today. Fathers, we come before you right now. We thank you and praise you for the day that you've given to us. We thank you for the blessing of what it means to walk with you, God. We thank you for the joy of having a mother who poured into us, who protected us, who loved us, who cared for us. My own mother, Lord, who went through so much and yet was still there for us. Thank you for her walk with you in this season of her life. Thank you for her hunger and her passion and her willingness to chase after you. Thank you for letting me see that in her. Thank you that she was there when I was just a little boy. Thank you for her being the light in my life when it was dark. Thank you for the moms in this room, God. Thank you for our moms of the people in this room, Lord. But Father, we know that a lot of weight is put on the women in our lives. So as we come before you right now, we just want to lift them up. We want to ask and pray that you would be with them today. Help us to shoulder the burden. Help us to share in that part. Help us to stand alongside of them that together we might be a better picture of who you are to the people on this earth until you call us home. We thank you and praise you and just ask and pray that you set your arms around our families, around our single moms, around, uh, around our, our family moms. Because it's a difficult thing today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to go into this song. We would love to pray for you and there are people up here to do it. You feel free to move during this song while we're singing.